Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, a pleasant good Thursday morning. It was a sunny morning here in Hamilton, Ohio, a little while ago. Some clouds rolling in, but a nice day nonetheless. And we welcome you as always to Off the Bench, presented by our friends at United Dairy Farmers from our Chatterbox Studios in Hamilton, Ohio. Welcome aboard. Gentlemen, good morning. Casey, Paul, Elliot, Jacob, everybody all right? Great. Great. Fantastic, Tom. Did I go down to the game yesterday or no? No. No. Had to, had to be here, unfortunately. We watched, Fortunately. We watched it here. Fortunately. <laughs> and Casey, you made it with your bride to uh, FC Cincinnati. Yes. Yes, I did. It was a great experience. It was a uh, very fun time. Packed out stadium. They just mollywhopped everyone. And, uh, yeah. She's a trooper, man. She's yeah. out. Call yeah, her a gamer, she, member she, of the NCN, without a doubt. Absolutely. She's just out there, one foot, jumping upstairs, <laughs> getting to the very top of the stadium. Gamer. That's right. So when is the MRI? Today? The MRI is today. All right. Well, we're thinking about it. Please let her know. All right? I will. Uh, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a to 12. P. That's right. That's Eastern time. Uh, many of you already joining us on YouTube. You can uh, dial up the Chatterbox Sports page on YouTube, and there we are each and every day. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Gasoline was $0.28 cents per gallon. A dozen eggs, not in the Joe Biden years, cost $0.28 cents per dozen. American Bandstand. For those of you old enough to remember, Dick Clark made its television debut. The average cost of a new home was $12,000. All of those things were true in the year of our Lord, 1957. But why are we talking about that? That was the last time the Cincinnati Reds won 11 games in a row. No, not during the days of the Big Red Machine. Never hit 11 in a row. 1957. Well, you can change that tune now as the 2023 version of the Reds match that win streak after a 5-3 win yesterday over Colorado at GABP. Jake Fraley launches a missile to the seats in right for a two-run home run to break a tie in the eighth. Andrew Abbott finally allowed a run in his fourth major league start, but he was sensational. Six innings. Allowed three runs all on solo home runs. He struck out a career-high 10 batters. It is the fifth longest winning streak in franchise history. Think about this for a minute. 1899. That's right, 1899. 1890. 1957 and 1939. Only those teams had longer winning streaks than the Reds. The overall record, if you're wondering... 14 straight to reach that number would mean a fourth straight series sweep this weekend after an off day today and that is a tall order guess who's coming to town the best team in the national league the atlanta braves and they are rolling like the reds they've won seven straight the series begins tomorrow night at 6 40 i guess um there's some big concert again tomorrow night is that right or a giveaway or 
Uh, yeah, Quinn 92 is going to be there. Well, that's right. I meant uh, to look that dude up. Yeah, I'll be there. Lizzie and I are going to go down there nice. and do other nice. people. Yeah. Uh, the win yesterday coupled with a Milwaukee loss to the Diamondbacks. They are 15 games over 500, but I regress. Uh, with Milwaukee's loss and the Reds' win, Cincinnati now a game and a half in front in the National League Central. By the way, Reed Mouse and his Cubbies, they win again. 12 of their last 15, they're still three and a half back. College baseball, second-ranked Florida scores in the bottom of the eighth inning and knocks off TCU. Top of the ninth inning they scored, forgive me, 3-2 the final. The Gators advance to the best-of-three title round. Who will they face? That will be determined later tonight. Winner-take-all showdown. Two of the top teams in the country. Number one, Wake, against fifth-ranked LSU. The Tigers stayed alive by beating the Demon Deacons 5-2 yesterday. Talked about FC Cincinnati. Now, you talk about a team on a winning streak. They have not lost since April the 15th in St. Louis. FCC hammers Toronto last night in front of the McAllisters and about 17,000 others, 3-0. The club has the best record in the MLS, 13-1-4. They're undefeated at home. Quick turnaround for their next game. They play tomorrow night in the nation's capitals. Now, Paul, you would know a lot about this huge news in the NBA. Many are calling it one of the biggest blockbuster trades in the history of the league. You buying that? Uh, I don't know if it's in, in the history of the league, but it does at least have the name cachet. Kristaps isn't exactly what he was uh, a few years ago. But, yes, I mean, this is, this is a pretty massive deal for these teams that are involved in it. And we're talking about the Celtics, the Wizards, and the Grizzlies, a three-team trade for Zingas to the Celtics. Marcus Smart goes to the Grizzlies. Tyus Jones to Washington. The deal includes a lot of other players draft picks this year, and first-round picks for next year. Three-time All-Star Chris Middleton declined his $40 million player option with the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday. That means he becomes a free agent. All right, lots to talk about here today. Hundreds, if not thousands, already watching. Uh, hundreds, if not thousands, already in the chat. Uh, Braves coming to town tomorrow night. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about the Reds. I'm really excited today to have Bob Trumpy join us. You know, he's one of the guys right now that's up for the um, Bengals Ring of Honor, uh, where I think season ticket holders and suite holders, you being one of them, Jacob, got a chance to vote. Did you vote Bob for Trumpy. Bob Trumpy? Absolutely. You got one of my two votes for sure. You said it earlier. You can't argue about a lot of positions in Bengals history. You can't argue about who the best tight end is. You're right. Uh, I was amazed because like a lot of you, um, you know, when I first met Bob Trumpy, he was doing sports talk at 700 WLW, and he is still the best sports talk show host, radio sports talk show host that I've ever heard. Uh, he was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, he's doing all the stuff on NBC. He was a number one team for NBC Sports. His partner was Dick Enberg, did a number of Super Bowls. He was doing golf. He was doing the Olympics, all this stuff for NBC. So, I mean, he was Bob Trumpy, the announcer. You knew he played for the Bengals. But when you start digging into some of his stats uh, and his playing career, um, yeah, look, uh, Rodney Holman, I think, had a few more receptions, not many. Uh, but Trumpy is the all-time record holder in Bengals history for a tight end. Receiving yards, 
touchdowns, averaged over 15 yards per reception in his career. That's the best all-time for the Bengals as well. So we're going to talk with him about his playing career. Um, Sam Weish was his first quarterback, along with John Stofa, if you can believe that or not. Uh, Trumpy was in that expansion draft when the Bengals started in 1968 when they played in the NFL before the merger. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about his playing career. We'll talk about the current Bengals and possibility of going into the ring of honor. But first things first, the Red Legs. Paul, your assessment of the state of the Red Legs. 11 in a row. So yesterday, if you were listening, uh, I had a parlay of Ellie De La Cruz to get a hit. Reds to win by two or more. Andrew Abbott, six and a half, uh, over six strikeouts or six plus strikeouts, whatever it was. He crushed that. And then over eight and a half in the game, I was sitting in the doctor's office listening to the game on the radio, and uh, Ellie De La Cruz got a hit. That was the last thing I saw or heard. Jake Fraley was coming to the plate, and I said, there is no doubt in my mind Ellie De La Cruz is about to get driven in, and the Reds are going to win by a run. Did not realize then when I came out of the office, it was five to three, and I said, oh, Ellie De La Cruz got a hit. Andrew Abbott, career high, nine strikeouts. Reds cover the one and a half, but... They went under the eight and a half. Uh, it was a great win, though, for the Reds. Again, it was a game where they keep finding ways to win even when they don't play their best. I don't know if you guys would agree with this because I'd have to go back and look. I don't know for sure if, if I'd be backed up by stats on this. But it felt like this was their worst game of the winning streak, and they still found – no, the Sunday Astros game. Sunday Astros yeah, game. Yeah, they yeah, still yeah, found yeah. a way to win. I was going to say, what was but wrong with yesterday? They well, fell behind. The kid allowed three just, solo home runs. I mean, it's going to happen. I, it just felt hard. like weird. I mean, they were hitting the ball hard, and it felt like eventually they were going to break through and score some runs. But at the same time, you know, we were sitting here in the office watching it. Tom, one question I, I'd have for you. I, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I think it was in the third inning, maybe. Uh, Ellie was in a 3-0 count, the runner on first, and he grounded into a double play. You like him swinging at a pitch like that when he gets a fastball down the middle in a 3-0 count? Absolutely, without a doubt. Now, yeah. it, what's interesting is about 3-0 counts is when you talked, and I had a chance to ask a lot of players this very specific question about swinging 3-0. Now, look, there are some of the old school baseball rules where if your team has a big lead and all this kind of stuff, you know, you don't swing 3-0. But more and more and more and more, we're seeing guys swing 3-0. But there are a lot of guys that don't like swinging 3-0. I remember talking to, to Robin Young, one of, the, one of the best all-around players in the history of the game. Hall of Famer, over 3,000 hits, went from shortstop to center field. He was an MVP uh, in the American League at each position during his career. Phenomenal athlete. Um, but there are just some guys, you know, and now they'll take a look down, or they used to. I don't know how much they do anymore. They take a look down at the third base coach. Because in certain situations, if the bases are loaded, it's 3-0, and and a guy's having a hard time throwing strikes, you might get the take sign. So that can happen. But 3-0, and uh, you're looking dead red, absolutely. And sometimes you're just going to hit it hard at somebody double play. But even in the situation where, uh, I forget who it was, who, who the pitcher was yesterday, but uh, he, he had thrown, I don't know, seven, seven, seven of his last nine pitchers, something were outside the zone. Still like him swinging in that situation? For him, yes. There would be some other players I would answer that question. No, I don't. Okay. But for him, yes. I have no problem. Do you have a problem with it? No, not necessarily. I think 
when you get a pitch like that, a fastball, and you see the the K zone and how mu- how like just piped down the middle it is. I know you want him to take a walk, but then you also have a runner in front of him, so it's not like he's automatically going to steal. It's not like he's just going to Ellie his way over to third base, which is a little bit of a different situation, I think, when he gets on. Maybe maybe that's what I what I'm sitting there thinking as I watch it. I get it. It's a different situation if first base is open, whereas with somebody on, and you have somebody in front of you, and you just have to be patient on the base pass. Maybe it's a little different. You go ahead and swing away. Nick Kirby chimes in. It's one of the reasons, many reasons, we love Nick Kirby, who, of course, hosts a show with uh, Trace after the Reds games. They've been doing a lot of celebrating on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick says, and I'm assuming when he says this, he's referring to the Reds batters. Maybe he's talking about baseball overall. Batters have a 355 batting average with an 847 slugging percentage, swinging 3-0 and this year. Now, again... Uh, those numbers tell you a lot of great information, uh, but there are situations where, uh, for me, Ellie De La Cruz, Steer, Votto, um, um, India, McLean, I'm three and zero, letting them go. Friedel, you know, again, depending on the situation, I might ask him to take a pitch because you're going to get the same pitch. When guys are having a hard time with their command, you get to 3-0, and there's a real good chance. And this is the argument that batters who don't like swinging 3-0, this is the, the, what they will tell you. They'll say, you're going to get the same pitch 3-1 and that you got 3-0. and It's going to be a fastball. But, you know, some cases you just don't know. It might be a, a, a better located fastball. You know, you might take the 3-0 right down the, the can. But the 3-1... Paints the outside corner knee high. And you're not looking in that spot. Now you're 3-2 and, you know, here we go. Changes the whole complexion of the at-bat. But um, I got to tell you, Andrew Abbott shifting gears a little bit. Uh, As you know, uh, since 1893, I think it is, uh, he became the first pitcher in his first three major league starts to not allow a single run. I'm not so sure. Now, don't get me wrong. I trade zero I trade three for zero all day, every day. Because if the other team doesn't score, they can't beat you, right? Duh. But I got to tell you, um, the young man I thought was uber impressive yesterday. First batter of the game hits a home run. Okay, so you take that off the board. Now he's given up a run in his life in the big leagues. They get another solo home run. They get another solo home run. But he just keeps going, right? Just keeps on rolling. And before you know it, he struck out 10. He's allowed three runs, and, and he gives you six innings. Phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal outing from, from Abbott. I, I think, and again, with the solo home runs, like, you're pitching so well, and every once in a while you throw a mistake pitch. You're not doing that with runners on. He's, he's been phenomenal. I forget the stat, but with runners on, nobody is hitting him. If there's a runner on base, nobody's getting a hit against Abbott right now. It's been phenomenal to see. And he's right now the best pitcher in our starting rotation. Hunter Green is down, and we're going to need Abbott to continue. He allowed four hits yesterday. Three of them were solo home yep. runs. Yep. That's not getting beat a whole lot. That's a couple misses here and there, which happens to a young pitcher. Yep. And, you know, he can mow down 10, 10 batters and go six innings. And he was only at, when we took him out after six innings, he was only at, I think it was right around the mid-80s pitch yep. count. So it's not like he was 
overworking himself like you see what, what was your reason because i was bouncing around a lot yesterday uh saw some of it some of it i did not what was the reason for taking him out of the game um there was a somewhat of a blow up in this office when andrew abbott didn't come out for the seventh inning we we aren't really sure why and everyone was kind of upset about it but we ended up getting the win so that's all that matters so they knew going into the game that alexis diaz is not going to pitch right so if you're david bell there and, you know, I, when I'm driving around, I'll listen to other, uh, uh, you know, political talk shows, uh, sports talk shows, whatever it might be. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of bounce around because there's a lot of commercials out there. Um, but, you know, I, I was listening to somebody yesterday. I can't remember who it was. And, and, and a fan called in and was kind of, you know, nitpicking a little bit about uh, David Bell. And the host or host, plural, got really angry. Oh, how in the world can you do it? Oh, David Bell, I mean, the one ten in a row. And I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with nitpicking? There's nothing wrong with nitpicking. All you're doing is asking a question like we're asking right now. Nobody's beating up David Bell for taking Abbott out of the game. But I think it's a sincere, logical question, right? If you guys were sitting around here going, what the hell is going on? He's at the 80-something pitch mark. He's gone six innings, he's allowed three solo home runs, and he's out of the game on a team that is lucky to get four innings out of a starter on any given night. I don't care if they've won 10 in a row or they're six and five in their last 11. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. J.W. Dunbar points out in the chat that two of the next three guys up had hit a home run off of him today. So I don't know if that played into it. Um, definitely could have been. I don't know. I, I would have left him in there. You, you pitch him over 110 pitches in his debut. You think you have the faith in him to leave him out there after 88. So I was definitely surprised by it. But again, we won the game. So that's all that matters. Sir Boy Wonder asked if I was listening to Rush Limbaugh. Sir Boy, that might be very hard to do at this point in time. <laughs> I would say so, Tom. I mean, I'm sure the golden microphone is up there in heaven, but it'd be a little hard to get that dialed in on your radio Hey, with AI Driving down 75, 71, right? With AI now, you never know. <laughs> uh, you might be right. Um, so now the Braves come to town. Now this is a whole different animal, okay? These sweeps or this, this streak which began, you may remember they went on their last road trip. It was a nine-game, three-city trip. They lost the first game of the trip, which was their second loss in a row. That was in St. Louis. They've not lost since. That was two weeks ago tomorrow. Right? Yep. Okay. So they beat the Cardinals two in a row. Cardinals are terrible. They beat Kansas City three in a row. Kansas City is worse than St. Louis. Uh, then they beat Houston, a team that is down, but it's Houston defending world champions on their home turf three in a row. You come back home again. You can make the argument. Not really not the argument. The record doesn't lie. You take away the Nationals, the Cardinals, the Royals, and the Rockies are three of the five worst teams in Major League Baseball, without a doubt. Well, everything changes starting tomorrow night because the Braves have won seven in a row. They got rained out last night. They will play a day game today in Philadelphia uh, and then come rolling in here with the best record in the league. You know, it's interesting. You look at young players, and the Reds have brought up all these talented players. McLean has been great. De La Cruz has been really good. Uh, Steer has been fantastic. 
But then you look at young players that are a whole different level. Now, the Reds players might get to this level. But when you look at uh, Acuna, and when you look at Ozzy Albies, I mean, you're sitting there going, now these guys are players. Yep. And they're like 21, 22, 23 years old, and they've already been in the big leagues for two years, right? That's amazing. Yep, it is. And in their, their, their pitching rotation, they're all young guys, too. They got a guy or pitching tonight, or excuse me, tomorrow night. Uh, what's his name, Jacob? The Shoyer. Shoyer. Uh, yeah, Shoyer. Uh, all, all, everything they have is a young guy. Uh, and and I, I, I am kind of scared, but I think, I think our young guys will match him. We have the hotter young guys right now. The rain out yesterday allowing us to miss Spencer Strider on Sunday is monumental. He, I mean, he's arguably the best pitcher in the league this year. I know he's had a couple struggling outings here lately, but I mean, he started the year with, he started the year on fire. So missing him on Sunday, playing two guys that have under 10 career starts, I think it's a recipe for the Reds to win this series. Right now, Acuna, I think, would be the MVP of the league. We agree on that? I agree. Dude's hitting like 330, right? Hitting bombs, driving in runs. Did I read he has 31 stolen bases? Yep. Can you imagine that? 31 stolen bases. That's one of the great things about uh, these rule changes. It has brought the, the, the run game and the speed game back into the game. And for all the people that wanted to just sit around and watch, and these are all the analytics guys, wanted to sit around and watch walks and home runs and strikeouts, give me the current game. Guys are stealing bases. The Reds are the best example of that. Uh, They are defined in many ways, not entirely, but defined in many ways by their aggressive nature on the base pass. And that doesn't always mean stolen bases. It means going first to third. It means scoring from second. It means taking big leads, big secondary leads. We saw two days ago, they forced the pitcher into a pair of pickoff attempt throws. He throws them away. Next thing you know, they got guys running all over the bases and scoring runs. That's getting deep in the head of, uh, of the opposition. All right, Ham and Eggers, uh, you guys uh, take it here for a minute or two. We got Bob Trumpy coming up any minute now. Very excited about this today. I know uh, a lot going on with baseball and the Reds are hot in FC Cincinnati, but uh, the Bengals aren't too far away from training camp. And uh, Bob Trumpy is up for the Bengals Ring of Honor this year. Hammond Eggers, Mr. President, take it away. It's that time of the show, the Hammond Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Hey. All right, let's talk about (laughs) the Bengals. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Just letting us all focus in here. Talk about the Bengals because we're going to have Bob Trumpy on. And the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech, the path to innovation begins here. Also, Pawnee Water. We're running short on Pawnee Water. The Pawnee Water guys are listening. We need some Pawnee Water. 
I need to just go buy some Pawnee water is what I need to do. I need to run by a gas station here in Hamilton. And you don't want to know where you can find some Pawnee water. You can go to PawneeWater.com. It's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. It is the best tasting water in the world. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. And it's made right across the street here in Hamilton. Again, that's Pawnee Water, P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. Bet with Betfred. Get your coffee from UDF. Drink Pawnee Water and get your technology solutions from Encore. Make sure you like the stream. For some reason, I don't know, is this not working for you guys where you can't see the number of likes? No, it, we can't see it. So is that a YouTube update? We're being censored? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think it, I think oh it might be. I think it might be. Disaster. It's the worst. <laughs> That's a disaster. Absolute disaster. But we can't see how many likes we're getting. It doesn't matter. We're not narcissistic like that. We don't care about the likes. So now Elliot's just going to eat a cricket after every show. Oh, yeah. yeah so what do we do? Yeah, I don't know. There, there, there can't be any more punishments for Elliot. So I guess I'll just have to, we'll just have to be just, you know, we just like the stream for the, for the sake of liking the stream. No more punishments. Sorry. We, we all lose. <laughs> we all lose. Casey, do you want to eat another cricket? I prefer not to eat another okay. cricket, but you know, I, I, I can, <laughs> I can do it. You know, we can still see what the likes are after the show. Like, they wouldn't know until the next day, but... Mm. It's, a, it's a disaster. It it's a, a disaster. disaster. Yeah. It's just, this is the world we're living in now. What a horrible start. What a horrible start to this morning. No Paul, likes. No likes on the stream. Paul, do you have an update for the people on the peanut butter test? Okay, yeah. So I went in yesterday. It, more positive than I thought it was going to be. That's big More time. positive than I thought it was going to be. That's big time. But, uh... So I couldn't get a skin test. I had to get a blood test. So it's going to be like a month or not a month. It's going to be like a week in between. Um, I didn't want to get a blood test because they say that it's kind of uh, kind of inaccurate. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll You're see. You're holding out some hope. I'm holding out more hope. I'll be honest. I'm holding out more hope after the test yesterday than I originally thought. Like it was a much more encouraging visit than I thought. I mean, that's but this is all just pumping myself up to make myself feel better. And you know what? You know what? Now that I talked this out, do it. I'm wondering if the letdown is going to be worse. It I'm wondering be. if like after the appointment yesterday where they basically told me I, I had a chance and the rug's just going to get pulled out from under my feet. Yeah, that's going to be brutal. That's I mean, rough. I think that's going to be brutal. And that's what I'm worried about because you're just now getting over not being able to eat peanut butter for the last 20 years. Yeah. And so now he, he lays this on me yesterday where he goes, well, you know, you've been allergic to it your whole life. Maybe it's going to be okay. He's building you up just so you can No, no, bro. I know it's not. You don't have to make me feel better. <laughs> not to just, you know, pull the rug out. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully by this time next week, I'll have an answer for you. We'll, well root, I know we'll I will. for you, Paul. We'll see. He, he did hit me with the uh, – so they tested me for, like, tree nuts and shellfish too. Yeah. And he goes, we're going to test you for so many tree nuts that if you come in and do a food challenge, we're just going to give you this recipe for this nut butter with all the tree nuts included in it. And we'll just knock it all out at one time. I'm going, <laughs> so if I react to one, so what is that? How do you know which one I react to? Do I have to come back in and do it again? We'll see. I don't know. It's going to be a saga this summer. Got to get it done before football season. We'll see. It'd be nice to do the peanut thing during baseball season. I, I doubt it, though. Hopes are low. 
Hopes are low. Maybe by July 17th. Maybe I'll know by July 17th. Paul can have a bag of peanuts on the on I'll the show up. I'll show up to the Chatterbox Reds game Monday, July 17th, out on the boat deck. If you haven't heard, July 17th. Trace rented out the boat deck at Great American Ballpark. We'll get the details to you in a little bit. July 17th, the Reds. I'll show up. Everybody can buy a bag of peanuts. We can all share in, in some peanuts. Actually, you know what? It's a boat deck. They probably just have the free peanuts out there. Even better. Well, love or it. worse, depending on how the test I love, results. I love it. I love it. All right. That's way too long on my food allergy. Anything more on, uh, on the Reds? Anything more from you guys on yesterday? Anything? Uh, I'm amazed how you guys, plural, are, are, are like, R R Red's going to wear out Atlanta this week. Oh, we're winning this series. I love our chances. Yeah. They played well in Atlanta last year. Bryce Elder and, Spen <laughs> Bryce Elder and, Bryce Elder and Spencer Strider, their two best pitchers, arguably, are not, avail or are not pitching against us. I love our chances. If you don't love our chances now, when Charlie do you love our Morton, chances? why are people accusing you of being a closet Braves fan? You're not a Braves because fan. Because the chat earlier is saying the Braves are garbage, and I'm saying the Braves are not garbage. Whoever so would so say the Braves, the, the, the Braves are garbage should should really start reading a little. It's bit. Sir Boy Wonder. He's saying I don't buy the hype because I'm saying the Braves are a good baseball. Team. Tom, can I give you some Braves stats real quick? Please do. So runs scored, MLB. The Braves are third. Home runs, the Braves are first. They've hit 128 home runs. We've hit, by the way, 69. So they've hit 128. Almost double. Nice. Almost double. On base percentage, the Braves rank second. They have a 339 OBP. Slugging, they rank first, 479. ERA, they're fourth at a 374. Home runs allowed ninth. They've only allowed 77 home runs. And uh, whip, they're 13th with a 1.28. That's a pretty good team there. Yeah, I would, I would pretty, say so. That's a pretty good team there. That's a real good team. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean they're going to come in here and play great. I mean, the Dodgers were a good team that came rolling into yep. town, right? And yep. I mean, the Reds beat them two out of three. The only loss was against Clayton Kershaw. And, and, and as you guys mentioned, uh, the best pitcher the Reds are going to see, at least over the long haul. The first two guys in the series have not pitched a lot in the major leagues. Uh, one guy has, what, seven or eight starts. The other guy has right around the same number. And then you get the veteran who the Reds have seen a lot uh, through the years, going back to his days with the Pirates. He's bounced around, excuse me, a lot since then is uh, Charlie Morton. He is scheduled to pitch the game on Sunday. And, and look, all of that is subject to change. I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like today in Philadelphia because they got rained out last night, and they're playing again today a 1 o'clock game to wrap up that series before the Braves come into town. We're going to have, by the way, Dave O'Brien tomorrow from The Athletic, long-time baseball beat writer, uh, spent a number of years in Miami, and then um, the last number of years, well over uh, a decade, as a beat writer covering the Atlanta Braves. So uh, are we good with Trump? Yes, we are. Um, before I – let me introduce him, Paul. Let's get to the, uh, the Bob Trumpy introduction if we can uh, before we bring him in. We're so grateful for his time. Robert Theodore Trumpy Jr., born in March of 1945 in Tremont, Illinois. Grew up in Springfield. Was a big star in football, basketball, and track. In fact, he played four different, played in four different state championships in high school. Two in basketball. And in 1963, now think about this for a second, okay? 
We think about these athletes, and, 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 and but, but then when you get to tight ends, a lot of great athletes, but you think these big, huge, strong guys, and Trump, he was at. In 63, in the state of Illinois, he won the state long jump championship, finished fifth in the state in the high jump. So from there, it was off to the University of Illinois in Champaign. You couldn't play as a freshman back in those days. So his first year playing, they play him at wide receiver. Catches 28 passes, 500 yards. Decides, though, to transfer to the University of Utah. We're going to find out why here in a minute. They moved him to tight end. You had to sit out a year after you transfer. He catches nine passes his only year at Utah in one year. He was then drafted into the United States Navy after graduation. Spent 180 days in the Navy during the Vietnam War. In 1968, he's discharged. He goes back home starts his career as a salesman. Then he finds out he's drafted by something called the Cincinnati Bengals. In the 12th round of the common draft, he instantly becomes a starter and a star under head coach Paul Brown. Caught 37 passes for over 600 yards, was an all-star in the AFL, voted all-league tight end the following year. Then in 1970, you get the merger with the NFL. And Trumpy was arguably the best tight end in football. 35 receptions, almost 900 yards, a franchise record 23 yards per catch. 23 as a tight end. He wound up playing until 1977, was a two-time All-Star, two-time Pro Bowler. He finished with 298 career receptions, 4,600 yards, 35 touchdowns. His yards, touchdowns, and 15 yards per catch average for his career are the best ever by a Cincinnati Bengals tight end. His broadcasting career was among the greatest of all time, a career that would earn him the Pete Rosell Award in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, Bob Trumpy, with that introduction, he's made his home here in Cincinnati ever since he came here back in the late 1960s. Trump, how are you, young man? Great to have you with us today. Uh, that was a quick recap of 55 years, TB. Well, you, you've had quite a, a run over 55 years, Trump. I mean, really, it's amazing what, what, what you have done. You know, it's one thing. I know Paul Brown used to talk about, you know, your, your, your second career, which turns into really your life. But for a lot of guys to go to, 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 from being – great in one thing and then to become great in another it's i mean what a blessing yeah well uh when you look back on it uh as when you get to my age you do that a lot in a lot of situations uh there's always somebody behind you that seems to help uh and in my case uh, the first person I thank is my wife for sticking with me. Uh, we were married in 1966. We're coming up on 57 years married. Two, for the NFL, I have to credit a, a, a gentleman named Zeke Bratkowski. Recognize the name, Tommy? I don't. You don't? I don't. Okay, I'll I'm get sorry, back to I'm it. Sure I, I'm sorry I don't. Please tell me about it. I, I'll get back to him, but let me, that, that's my football career. My broadcasting career, I have to give a tip of the cap to one Ken Fouts. 
your dad and I's good buddy, and you know him. Uh, he was the number one sports director for NBC at the time, worked with Mike Weissman. Now, the uh, I was drafted, and I wasn't a salesman when I was drafted, Tommy. I was collecting bills for beneficial finance in Los Angeles. Uh, that's the best job I could find out of the Navy. By the way, I was in the Navy, and I never set foot on the water other than being on Treasure Island, uh, stationed there in the middle of San Francisco Bay. Mm -hmm. Now, I get out, go back to Los Angeles. I get this job collecting bills, get a call one day from my wife. I've been drafted by the Cincinnati Beagles. Uh, I said, I, I think that's the Bengals, dear. She said, <laughs> oh, whatever. But does that mean we have to go to Cincinnati? Yes, that means we have to go to Cincinnati. So uh, I'm collecting bills in Los Angeles, and I figure I got to get a construction job of some sort to get me in shape. I mean, I, I had done nothing athletically for the uh, previous, I don't know, nine months. I drive by a junior college in Southern California, which back then they had a bunch of junior college. It was San Fernando Valley State Teachers College. And I see several guys, uh, they don't look like kids, uh, they look comparable age to me, working out on this football field. And I drive by it, and the next day I stop and think, well, you know, I, I got to find out what's going on here. They might be able to help me. Uh, as I walk up to the group, I see on the, the ground uh, a great big bag. And on the side of it is a Green Bay Packers emblem. And the guy running the practices was Zeke Bratkowski. Zeke Bratkowski was Bart Starr's backup uh, during the Lombardi era of the Green Bay Packers. So I introduced myself, and he said, what position you play? I've just drafted by the Bengals uh, for tight end. He said, great. I have only one other receiver here. The rest of these guys are running backs. And there was a quarterback there. I think his name was Bruce Lemmerman. Uh, and he was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. So I said, look, can I join the group? And he said, sure, absolutely. Uh, he said, what time do you get off work? I said, three. Uh, and I said, I'll be here as quick as I possibly can after I get off work tomorrow. I get there about 3.20, uh, and they had already started practice. Uh, two days later, uh, they moved practice back to 4 o'clock so I could be a part of it because I could catch the ball. We started the practice. Each practice was Zeke Bratkowski with 75 up-downs. That's, that's how Lombardi got his team in shape. So I was... In the best shape of my life, I think, uh, the draft was in March. Uh, we worked out six days a week from March until about the middle of June. Uh, and, and they weren't extensive uh, workouts, probably an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Just I was running Green Bay Packers patterns. So at the end of that uh, in June, 
uh, Zeke says, I got to go to Green Bay. And I said, well, I'm supposed to show up in Cincinnati um, July 2nd. And uh, he said, I want to tell you something. I'm going to tell our scouts that if your name ever comes up on the waiver wire, uh, get him up here in Green Bay. He said, you can start for our football team. I said, what did you say? He said, I'm telling you, uh, with your uh, athletic ability, you can start for the Green Bay Packers. I'd love to throw you the ball. Psychologically, no one's ever told me that, ever put me in that spot. And I credit Zeke Bratkowski with, uh, one, physically get me, getting in shape. Two, psychologically, putting me in a different area than uh, I have to think anybody who was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in 1968. And uh, he didn't tell me what to do, what not to do. He said, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I sincerely believe without that, that little uh, comment from him about making the Green Bay Packers, the world champion Green Bay Packers, that I could start for him. And here I am, the 12th round draft choice. I don't know, number 300. Uh, it was absolutely amazing, Tommy. And looking back on it, uh, yeah, I could do a lot of things, but that psychological uh, shot that he gave me uh, was huge to my career. And I'm sure how much your, your dad helped you. I tried to help you. Yes. Uh, a lot of people tried to help. And we should always be thankful for the help that they uh, uh, they gave me. And my wife followed me to to uh, Cincinnati, so turned out to be a pretty good deal because uh, you've never left since then. I, I'm curious, you know, you, when you were playing in college and you initially went to Illinois, and I mentioned you transferred to Utah. Um, I yeah, went wait, back wait, and wait, looked wait, at wait, 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 wait a minute. I was asked to leave Illinois. Okay, all right. Uh, 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 Why were you I asked had, to leave Illinois? I had hand surgery uh, from a football injury. I had an infection in my hand. Uh, my elbow had set in my hand. And uh, th they lanced it through the middle of my hand uh, to get the uh, inf inflammation and infection out. And I was in the local hospital there for probably... Uh, maybe uh, eight days. I don't remember exactly how long it was. But in that time, uh, I didn't finish the season. In that time, they fired all the football coaches, uh, the basketball coaches, because uh, an assistant athletic director turned in the sludge fund books for paying uh, some of the basketball players and football players on the University of Illinois team. Well, when I get out of the hospital, I've now missed six weeks of, uh, no, uh, two weeks of class, and I'm left-handed, and my hand was kind of frozen like that because it was wet for five straight days, and then they drew away the towels, and everything was just kind of cramped up like that. I, I could barely write. There was no one to go in the coach's office to say, help me. Can I get a medical incomplete? Can I get some help? There was nobody there. Um, so I plumped out of Illinois. And uh, 
that's how I got to Utah. I didn't transfer. Uh, okay. Right. Let's let's be let's be honest about everything. Okay. But continue, right. continue okay. no, your line. I'm, I'm I'm curious because I, I you know I like to try. We have a lot of younger people that watch the show, and 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 I like to try and put things into context from for what things were like, whether they be in society or whether they be in this particular case in the sport of football. Uh, I think your quarterback was a guy named Frank Costardo. I don't know if I pronounced his name right uh, there or not. Okay, back in '64. That team you played for, Illinois, completed, completed for the season 86 passes, barely attempting 150 uh, pass attempts on the year. Um, my, oh, my. I, I mean, that's a different world from the one we live in now, right? Yeah, absolutely agreed. And that's the way just about everybody played. But on that team, uh, his name was Fred Costardo. Uh, and by the way, his mother was a wonderful cook. Uh, he lived in some suburb of Chicago, and Fred would have us up there, and his mother would make a homemade Italian meal. Uh, but on that team was a guy named Dick Butkus. Yep. Uh, middle linebacker and short yardage center, and Jim Grabowski, uh, our, our fullback. Uh, and Grabowski broke uh, several Big Ten rushing records. There was no reason for us to throw the ball. And remember, Illinois had gone to and won the Rose Bowl the year before. We could not repeat. Uh, 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 even if we won the conference, we could we could not go back to the Rose Bowl the next year. That was my sophomore year. So, yes, we did not throw the ball a lot. We had a very big offensive line, and we had Butkus, and we had Grabowski, and, they, and we used them on almost every snap. <laughs> Wouldn't you, you? Yes, I, I would. When you, you know, you go through uh, playing at Utah for a year, uh, you talked about already what you were doing uh, at that point in Southern California, now the Bengals. Had you, were you following the sport enough to know who Paul Brown was? Oh, sure. I knew okay. who Paul Brown okay. was. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And your first time you met him was where? Uh... Let's see, I, I got there July 2nd, 1968, July 3rd. Uh, the morning of July 3rd uh, for the entire Cincinnati Bengal organization uh, started with a three-hour talk from Paul Brown. And uh, that's the first time I saw him. And I was sitting in a room with, uh, I can't guess the number, but uh, in excess of 100 uh, athletes in that in that room we were right packed right next to each other and uh, kind of had a separated offense to defense and in the row I was in I was way in the back uh, we had assigned seats I was way in the back and in uh, the row that I was sitting I counted 23 guys that were either going to be a tight end or a receiver on the football team so I, I the room was crowded but the first time i saw him it yeah he's he's little and he's old this is paul brown the hall of fame football coach what wait a minute 
he's going to lead us to the promised land. And uh, that uh, three-hour meeting uh, extended that evening to another three hours. So we got six hours of the world, according to Paul Brown, on our first day. This is the way we're going to do things. I'm going to tell you what to do. You got to do it to make this football team. He, he went on and on and on and on. And so that was my first meeting. Um, you have a great rookie year. Uh, your quarterbacks that year, uh, two of the three anyway, John Stofa uh, and Sam Weich, who of course later became head coach and led the Bengals to a uh, Super Bowl yes. uh, berth. Um, and, you know, you look at that first year of a franchise, and, and I mean, I can't speak to this because I wasn't a player, but I was around for the first year of a franchise in baseball out in Arizona. Um, th there is something just so extraordinarily unique about being the first. Well, what do you recall most or what did you enjoy the most or what stood out the most of being on the very first team of the Cincinnati Bengals in 68? Yeah, my biggest memories are I had six roommates the first training camp. Uh, all the rookies were on the third floor. Nobody knew anybody. I knew one guy, uh, and that's the guy that I drove, I, I rode the bus with from Cincinnati Airport to Wilmington College. Uh, he's the only guy I knew, the black defensive tackle from some uh, small black school in the South. And uh, when I checked in, I was told to go to room number such and such and get my room key, did, went up to my room, opened the door, and the light from the hallway uh, woke the guy up lying in the bed. And uh, I don't know, it was 9, 9.30, something like that at night. And he kind of sits up and he says, I'm Wally Scott. I said, Bob Trumpy. We're roommates. Well, I'm, I'm going to hit the sack here. You do what you want. We'll talk in the morning. Did. I went in and showered, came back, went to bed, get up the next morning. Wally Scott is no longer in the room. Uh, clothes are still there, but he's no longer in the room. Uh, so he was having breakfast. I go over and I have breakfast, uh, read the newspaper, see if my arrival was announced on the front page. It was not. <laughs> I go back to my room. It's empty. Uh, I, I look in the closet. There's no clothes. Uh, other than the wrinkles on the sheets of the bed, I thought I was in the wrong room. He was cut after breakfast. Uh, that was Wally Scott. I had five more roommates, and for the life of me, I can't remember uh, what their names were, of uh, any of them. But my point is, the sheer volume of athletes coming in on a daily basis, uh, it was astounding. You never knew who you were going to line up next to. Uh, you never knew who you were going to have lunch with. Uh, I, I mean, the, the number of people given the opportunity to make that football team in 1968 Still boggles my mind. And and some guys were there for, they'd bring them in for lunch, run the 40, they'd be gone before dinner. Uh, and that that continued, that cycle continued for two months. I mean, we, 
we work out twice a day, uh, very hard, but very short time. Paul Brown's practices were an hour and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you couldn't get it done in an hour and 15 minutes, you can't get it done. And so at least you knew that in an hour and 15 minutes, this misery is going to be over. It was hot. It was humid. You were trying to beat the crap out of the guy uh, across from you to make an impression on somebody. But I also remember, I did not in that first training camp, I didn't have a scratch, a bruise, a pulled muscle, a laceration, nothing. Uh, I, I don't know how to account for that because in training camp you always get these nagging little things just because of the constant contact uh survived it all and uh it, it, it but but in 1968 preparing for the season uh just a number of people that came in and out of there uh our first game was a preseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Morgantown, West Virginia, we had five busloads of players drove to Morgantown. We win the game. Uh, on the way back, we go to get on the buses and they hand us a box of Colonel Sanders chicken. And uh, some of the veterans that we got in the veterans allocation draft were very upset. This is the way the AFL, the Cincinnati Bengals, is going to function. Bus rides to Morgantown, West Virginia. Box chicken on the way home. Uh, I didn't care. Didn't bother me. I mean, this was all new to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat the chicken, the biscuit, the french fries, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> we didn't know what was going to happen. Nobody did. And, and I... Tommy, again, I didn't know anybody. Yeah, I, I eventually made a great relationship with Sam Weiss and John Stopa, but uh, it was it was remarkable. And when when it's happening, you don't pay attention to what is happening. But when you reflect back on what happened, yep. you're like, my God. Now, I, I, you know, I, I, I got to ask you because you, you go through that first year. You have a great year. Tell me if this is true. I, I mean, I, I, I've been digging around to try to find out to this answer when, when you had agreed to come on. I've heard people say this, but I don't know if it's true. I've heard people say that, 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 that you were the first tight end in professional football that did not line up next to the tackle, that you would be no, offset. For, is that true? Uh, that is absolutely true, and, and you can't credit me for anything. This was Bill Walsh's idea. Uh, back then, they did not have coordinators. Bill Walsh was the quarterback and receivers coach. And uh, I, I, I wasn't your typical tight end in a lot of ways, one of which was I didn't weigh 250 pounds. Uh, I think when I got to camp, I weighed about 212. At 6'6", 212. Uh, I carried a 10-pound weight with me underneath the towel, so it appeared I was 222. So uh, most of the tight ends in, in professional football at that time were uh, extra tackles. 
Uh, Walsh could see what I could do. Uh, and we experimented uh, with where I could or couldn't line up. They had to call the league office to find out what the rules and regulations were. And it blew up defenses all over the uh, the uh, league in the next two or three years, especially when in 1969 we got Greg Cook. Uh, he was a mad bomber. Uh, but yes, I was the first one to move around, and I was the first one one to move around because I could do what Bill Walsh envisioned me doing: uh, isolate the safety on me. And I could beat most safeties in the league at that time, one on one. So, and we took advantage of it, and and that that's that's why you uh, you have those uh, outlandish yards per catch numbers for a tight end back then. Very unusual. Not so unusual now, but very unusual back yeah, then. Yeah. You know, you brought up the name Greg Cook. And again, this is another area because I knew Greg Cook. I didn't know him like you knew him. I knew him well past what had happened in his football life. Um, due to a common friend, you know Eddie Shepard from up in Mount Adams. Very where, close. Where, where, where did you find him when you met him? Where did you find him? Well, he was, he, you know, Eddie Shepard, a lot like you and John Stofa and Sam Weish, was another guy in Greg Cook's life who was trying to help him, uh, especially when it came to a lot of his artwork uh, and things like that and trying to get him to, to do more of his painting. And, you know, he's, you know, I mean, his whole story you could spend two days talking about. Um, he was the guy at UC. 1969 now, he's the first pick uh, for the Bengals. There are people, Trump, you played with him. I mean, you lined up with him uh, in, in, in training camp when he shows up. You played with him his first couple of le years in a league before he gets hurt. You refer to him as the mad bomber. Uh, you've seen a lot of quarterbacks. You played with a lot of great quarterbacks. You announced a lot of great quarterbacks. You watch them all now. There are some who will tell you that were around uh, back in those days that Cook could have been among the greatest of all time had he not gotten hurt. Yeah, physically. I agree with you, uh, but the part that, that was the saddest, yes, he, he was an absolute magician with the football, uh, fearless. Uh, he would throw you open, uh, and back in 1969, that was unheard of. Uh, but Tom, you, you and I have had this discussion hundreds of times and you always ask the same question could he have been the greatest all i uh, know and i tried to help him as best i can just like our friend eddie shepherd did and does mentally i don't know how greg would have handled all the success i honestly don't i don't know if the injury uh created his uh, his problems uh i have no idea i mean he had two shoulder surgeries career over uh father run over uh in chillicothe ohio wife divorced him in about 18 months uh that's a whole bunch for anybody to handle and, and then uh, I, I distinctly remember in 1970, after he had two shoulder surgeries, we're in training camp. We all have our fingers crossed. Uh, 
that Greg is going to be back to where he was. And uh, I don't know what happened, but we're at practice one morning, and he's just kind of warming up, and he throws a ball out to uh, uh, the sideline to Chip Myers, who was on the team at that time, and the ball sailed 30 yards over Chip's head. Uh, Greg grabbed his face mask, ripped his helmet off, threw it down, walked in, never saw him in a uniform again. He knew he had torn something else in his shoulder. Uh, physically unparalleled uh, in all the years that I played and witnessed uh, football. Uh, he scared defenses to death. Uh, we took advantage of it. You, you mentioned his first year, 1969. We are three starting receivers which was Myers, Eric Crabtree, and me at tight end, all three averaged over 20 yards a catch. Mm. Unheard of. Yep. Unheard of at that, uh, in that well, era. That's unheard of, of, the, that's uh, unheard of now. You don't see that on yeah, any well, team now. You might have agree. one guy on the team, maybe one yeah. at 20. Maybe. Yeah, we, we couldn't wait to get on the field with Greg Cook as a quarterback. And he only played 11 games. Uh, we only won three of them, and still we had those numbers, th those passing numbers. But uh, uh, one of the great tragedies of the NFL, yes. and and uh, as you well know, uh, kept constant contact with him for years and years and years and years and years, and then took him to surgeries, took him to hospitals, took him to doctors. Carmen DeLeon, you recognize yep, that name? Yeah, of course I do, of course. Sure. Concert master under a council for the Cincinnati Symphony tried to help Greg. Everybody knew Greg. Uh, he wouldn't let me, he, he wouldn't allow me to see where he lived. And, uh, you know, I used to pick him up and I'd drop him off at the McDonald's at, uh, on Mitchell Avenue. And I said, what, what is this? You don't want me to know where you live. And finally, I picked him up one day, and he had to go somewhere. And I said, we're not going anywhere until I see where you live. So he takes me where he lives. And it's the second floor of this place that down off Mitchell Avenue. And they make, uh, uh, this company made uh, color for Procter & Gamble. They produced color that Procter & Gamble would put on packaging. He lived on the second floor. And this uh, company, uh, they made blue uh, coloring for Procter & Gamble. And everything in the little apartment was uh, had a shade of blue on it. Uh, it was just an absolute freaking mess. But displayed up there was some of his artwork. Uh, and it was absolutely mesmerizing to look at his artwork. So he was very good at something. But... Uh, Tommy, his life just is just careened out of control, and yep. uh, to find him, I had it was like like a feral cat, you know, running around downtown Cincinnati. This bar, uh, Sam Weiss and I went down one day, and I I said, I, I don't know where he is, but this is where I go to find him. Sam was living out of town. Went to one bar. Sam paid a $30 bar bill. Went to another one, I paid a $20 bar bill. Went to another one, there's Greg Cook. 
And so we had lunch and bought his lunch. And it was just terrible. But uh, what an athlete. Yeah, it's one of the great tragedy stories. And look, they're tragedy stories every day. Uh, but but yeah. his was just, it was so painful for those who knew him well, like you and Sam and, and John Stofa and Bob Johnson and, I mean, others. It was just, it, it was brutal. Yeah. Kenny Anderson comes in now after uh, it's not going to work out with Greg due to injuries. He walks in the door and tiny little Augustana, right? Not all that far from where you grew up. Um, and, and you look at him, and, 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 I mean, look, in today's day and age, he wouldn't be one of those guys you're looking at the big draft board if they're blowing it up because he's from a small school. When you first see him, you think what? Well, uh, Bill Walsh told me uh, I was working at Pogues in downtown Cincinnati. Uh, we all had off-season jobs. None of us made enough money to just live on what we made in the NFL. I was working at Pogues. So I would occasionally go down, uh, not to work out, uh, I would occasionally go down to Spinney Field, and Walsh pulls me aside and he says, we got our quarterback. I said, what are you talking about? He said, this kid from Augustana. Uh, I said, what do you like about him? He said, I'm building a quarterback. I said, are you serious? Is that what you're telling me? He said, yep. Uh, I'm building a quarterback. It's my first chance. I'm building a quarterback. And I, I've told that to Anderson a thousand times. I, I saw Bill Walsh build you, son. You understand? <laughs> uh, and, and Anderson's response is, yep. Uh, for the first two and a half weeks, I didn't throw the ball. I would take the snap and, and go one, two, three, back steps, set, throw. For two and a half weeks, he did that before he threw to anybody. And uh, Wall said, this kid's got everything that we want. He, he's, he's extremely intelligent. He's very likable. He has legs like an offensive guard. Uh, a shoulder like you wouldn't believe. Uh, I like everything about this kid, and I'm building a quarterback. So I, I can't wait to come across Ken Anderson. And uh, uh, Virgil Carter was the starter, mm -hmm. and he continued to start. Uh, Anderson didn't take over right away. I guess uh, just a veteran versus a rookie. But he was clearly the more accurate thrower and uh, considerably taller than, than Virgil Carter. And uh, I think Virgil got hurt. And then, and then Anderson, I think, came in when we were playing Houston. And I, there, there's a tape of Anderson coming in the game against Houston. And I think I caught his first touchdown pass. I, we both think it was his first touchdown pass, but I'm not sure. But... Uh, he, he was the Bengals' first franchise quarterback. That's the best way to put it. Um, you go on to have a great career. In, in 1977, you retire. You, you own all the records, naturally, for a tight end, and many of those you still own now. Why, why, did, you, why did you hang them up? Uh, why did I hang them up? Uh, 
two years previous, uh, I was approached by a radio station in Cincinnati about uh, uh, possibly doing a, uh, be a guest on a radio show. Now, I had heard while in the offseason in Los Angeles, Bill Russell, the All-Pro Hall of Fame Center for the Boston Celtics, doing a, uh, a sports talk uh, radio show in Los Angeles. And I didn't really pay a lot of attention to him, but it certainly sounded like he was having fun. So when that radio station approached me, it was WCKY, and at the time, WCKY played elevator, elevator music during the day. And in the evening, they had, uh, on, on Monday night, they had uh, uh, NFL football with Jack Buck and Hank Stram. They wanted to do a sports talk show an hour before that Monday night broadcast. Would I be interested? Uh, yes, was my answer. And uh, I fell in love with it. So that, that's 75, that's 76. No, that's 75. 70, uh, I play 76. Uh, I'm told by Paul Brown and the Bengals that uh, doing that radio show is a violation of my contract and I can't do it in 1976. So I, I didn't. Uh, 1977, the, the season starts, and we're fine. We're in good shape. I'm fine. I'm in good shape. And uh, I was really upset that they wouldn't allow me, because Paul Brown had always said, this is a springboard. Uh, playing in the NFL is a springboard. You're going to go on to something else. Use this as a springboard. Well, I was using the NFL as a springboard. I loved doing the sports talk show. So I told him in 1977, I'm, I'm doing it whether you like it or not. And they didn't like it. So I retired uh, to begin a broadcast career. Simple as that. Why do I feel like Trump? And, and, and I mean, you know, this is one of those things when you're a kid, we all have memories uh, as a kid and you're doing one thing or another. Um, I remember when my dad got the job with the Reds in 74, and you'll remember this, uh, down in Tampa, you know, th this was a day and age where all of the players stayed at the same hotel. They didn't get yeah, some Bill big, Watson's huge house, you know, at the Inn. International Inn is where everybody stayed. Yeah. And you and your producer, longtime producer, Doug Kidd, why do yeah. I remember you doing a talk show down there I swore this had to be the 70s, and yet you really never started uh, at WLW anyway until 1980, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. on a regular basis with correct. WLW. So where am I getting my wires crossed here? Because I vividly remember, in fact, one show you had Pete Rose, Johnny Benchin, in the same show, Art Schleister was down there doing something or another, if I remember right. Yeah, no, it, it, that didn't happen. WCKY had no sports except the Monday Night Football. When I moved to uh, WLW down the street, they had uh, UC football, basketball, uh, the Reds and the Bengals. And they told me I had to go to Florida. Okay. Uh, you, you're going to cover the Reds at training camp. Fine with me. No problem whatsoever. And uh, it was 
not in the 70s it it, it was in the 80 early 80s and okay. and yes we had a lot of people sitting around that uh that uh table around the pool at bill watson's international inn who yeah. could forget bill watson's international inn no breakfast this morning people we had another fire in the kitchen <laughs> bernie stowe told me one time that he, he he put a case of beer underneath a bed in the room where he was staying he came back the next year and the case of beer was still underneath the bed <laughs> hey uh the years with NBC, uh, and, and and look, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, when you become the number one announced team, and you're working for one of with one of my, I mean, yeah, Bob Costas with your partner for a while, I love Bob Costas, uh, and and then Dick Enberg, who is my favorite all time uh, play by play guy. Uh, you're the number one team of the NFL. Um, you had to be – were you pinching yourself more when you were playing in the NFL or were you pinching yourself more as the number one broadcast team of the NFL? Jeez, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I, I, the people I work with, including Enberg, Marv Albert was the first one, Jay Randolph, Don Crickey, uh, Dave Sims, uh, Joel Myers, uh, Costas, Tom Hammond. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Yep. But but the, the thing I remember about it, Tommy, is that uh, Ken Fouts, I mentioned him earlier, used to work at Channel 5 in Cincinnati. I get a call one day from him after I'm at WLW doing the radio show. And he says, how would you like to do an audition uh, tape for NBC? Love to. Okay, we go to the basement of uh, Channel 5, which at that time was at Ninth and Elm. And uh, he went along as the play-by-play guy. Didn't know what he was doing, but he was just leading me in the right direction. And I was the color guy. He sends the tape in with a recommendation that NBC hire me. And uh, the, the first year, I had a contract to do three games. Did six. Uh, season ends, hoping for the best. Next year, contract to do six games, did nine. Uh, did nine the next year. Uh, following year, uh, full contract, full season. And I think my first full season was with Sam Nover, a guy out of Pittsburgh. So uh, it, it, as far as pinching yourself, no. I, it, it was a goal I had. Uh, aided by uh, Ken Fouts, and obviously his opinion carried a whole bunch for the people in New York. People in New York wasn't had no idea who I was, and uh, and, and and so two years into my broadcasting career, I'm I'm moving up, and uh, we didn't think I didn't think in terms of what. Uh, what broadcast team I'm on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I was reminded every weekend of the percentage of the country that our particular game mm -hmm. is getting. Uh, that, you know that, that's yep. the way they judge where you are. And we kept, uh, Sam Nover and I kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger games. 
and uh, and then I moved to Costas, and and Costas was kind of new to the to to NBC from KMOX in St. Louis, and then it kept moving up and up. So as long as you're advancing, you're feeling comfortable, and I kept advancing until uh, finally with Enberg. Uh, did I? I got to mention Don Crickey, too, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, I was just uh, emailing him back and forth, believe it or not, Bob, uh, two days ago with Don Crickey. Uh, I had asked him about, yeah, I I found him. I found him uh, through a common friend. Uh, I reached out to him. This is two, three days ago. And and I had asked him about coming on the show. Because when I was a kid and my dad was working in the ABA, Costas was an announcer in the ABA back in those days in St. Louis. My dad's in Virginia. Don Crickey is like the guy for NBC basketball. And they'd cover the ABA finals. Uh, And I just remember what an extraordinary talent uh, he was. And I had asked him about coming on the show. He says he does no interviews with anybody at any time. He won't do them. All right. No problem. Uh, well, uh, Cricky and I, uh, maybe the most unique pair of broadcasters in the history of the NFL in a very select category. In 1986 and 87, NBC got the rights to the Monday night radio game that was broadcast by Jack Buck and Hank Stram. NBC got that contract. Don Crickey and I were awarded that Monday night broadcast. We also did uh, a full schedule of television games. Uh, so no matter where the game was on Monday night, they would give us a game that we could make plane connections to the right city. Uh, the longest one we had was somebody playing Atlanta on Sunday at 1 o'clock. And the Monday night game was Seattle. Now, in the two years, in the two years that Don Crickey and I did that, one, we never missed a plane. Uh, I, I was the mule. I would carry all the baggage. And this is before uh, security at airports. Crickey would get out of our town car running to the gate, hand in the air, Two full fare first class tickets. Don't leave. Two full fare first class tickets, and I'm dragging all this stuff around. We used to. We never missed a plane in the two year period. We did games from the uh, NFL Hall of Fame game all the way to the Pro Bowl on television and radio. About five years after that, I'm in New York working with somebody else. Uh, the NFL meetings, Cricky says, why don't you come over and have dinner? You'd love to see Molly and the kids. Sure, absolutely. He lives in Essex Fells, New Jersey, which is right across the river from New York. I go in the house, first time I'd been in their house. And on the wall is a, uh, I, I can't tell you the dimensions, maybe a three foot by four foot picture frame. In that picture frame, are all of the credentials that Don Crickey got in that two-year period. <laughs> and and I, I, I said to Molly, why did you do this? 
And she said, I, I don't know, but Don was gone so much. I, I just wanted to keep track of where he was. And he always brought back the credentials. Tommy, in that two-year period, Don Cricky and I did 94 events, television and radio. Think about that. 94 that, events yep. Yeah, it, it, in two seasons and never missed a plane. Well, Good luck on that in this about? day and age. Good luck on that in this day and age if you had to pull that off. All right, look, before I let you go here, and I'm, I, I could sit here and have this conversation, I mean, because your career, and we haven't even gotten to so much of it, but, but, but I want to ask you about the Bengals' ring of honor. You're up this year, um, and, you know, I guess it's season ticket holders and suite holders that are ones that vote. Um, are you paying attention to it? Is it something that, that you know uh, – I'm, I, I, more than do you pay attention to it. I mean, how important is it to you, if at all? No, no, no. The fact that I'm one of the, I think, uh, 13 guys, or what was it, 17 guys or 20 guys, uh, considered one of the uh, more important guys, That's that's fine with me. Uh, I, I have absolutely no problems with being in or out. Uh, I've celebrated everybody that's been in it. Uh, I understand that there are uh, there's a shrinking audience out there. Yeah. Uh, that, that saw what I did from 1968 to 77. That was in the last century, you know. And uh, I, I, sure. Uh, I think there should be somebody in there from the uh, original class of the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think I'm the only nominee. Uh, so at some point, somebody's going to say, uh, maybe in 2028, uh, what is that, 70 years since the beginning? The name Trumpy might come up. I I'm very comfortable with where I am, what I've accomplished, and, and uh, who thinks what of what I've done. Doesn't bother me in the least. But sure, it'd be nice. I don't wear a suit anymore. Uh, <laughs> last thing, last but, thing I want to ask you. I, I hope you get in, and I've said all along, it's not even debatable who the greatest tight end in the history of the franchise is. And right there is the beginning and end of it. Not even, even if I didn't know you, that's the beginning and end of it for me. Um, there was a time where you were highly critical of this franchise when you were doing local sports talk. Yeah. Are, are you amazed at where this franchise is now? Not only Burrow and the players and the whole nine yards, but the fact that Mike uh, is, is opening up the purse strings, that they're doing things they've never done before. Are, are you in shock after not doing that really for the first 47 years of the history of the franchise, right? Yes. Uh, flabbergasted. I, I was mad. In 1978, uh, Paul Brown was already retired. Uh, they hired Bill Johnson as a head coach. Uh, I thought Tiger was a wonderful assistant. Uh, Ken Anderson breaks his hand in a preseason game in uh, Milwaukee playing Green Bay. Uh, I, I was doing the game. I don't remember who the play-by-play -play guy was. Uh, anyway, 
they fire Bill Johnson. Well, I had heard from inside the franchise, from players, uh, from other people, uh, how Paul was just browbeating Bill Johnson something unmercifully. And that's what Paul Brown accused Art Modell of doing in Cleveland. And I, at the time, was working at WCKY. And uh, actually, I'm sitting at, at a place called uh, uh, having a nice tea in a bar at, at uh, Barleycorns, downtown Barleycorns. Yep. And uh, breaking news, Bill Johnson fired. Uh, I, I, I was very upset. Uh, he didn't deserve that. Uh, Ken Anderson breaking his hand is the reason they started 0-8. Uh, but they fired him. I went back to the radio station and I wrote an editorial, the first one I'd ever written. And uh, I was going to be on the air that night, and it was a scathing indictment of Paul Brown and what he was doing and how he was doing it. And I took it into Phil McDonald, who was the uh, station manager, and I said, I don't know if I should do this tonight. I mean, I, I'm a year removed from drawing checks from those people. And Phil McDonald said to me, well, tonight we find out if you're an ex-Bengal or a future broadcaster. Bam, magic phrase. I went on the air, read the editorial, and uh, I promised myself when I started doing that, I was not going to be a sniper. That is, say something and then never confront the person you're talking about or write something and then hide out. Uh, the next day I went to practice and I was standing on the side of the practice field between uh, the building of Spinney Field and the field and Paul Brown walked out and I think uh, Homer Rice's practice was about an hour and 35 minutes long and Paul Brown ream my butt for an hour and 34 minutes. And then as practice ended, he walked in. Bo Harris, a linebacker on the team, uh, as he was walking by me, he said, you realize you ruined practice. And I said, what are you talking about ruining practice? And he said, e everybody was paying attention to Paul Brown and his finger in your face. Uh, and he said, we, we kept track. Paul on the gesture battle, 100 to 1. <laughs> and uh, I, I went down there the rest of the week. I was there every day at practice. And uh, strangely, Paul never came out of the building for the rest of the week. But you have to make decisions at some point in your career. And that was a decision I made. I was happy with it. I was more than willing to defend it. And the more he yelled and screamed at me, and the more I realized I was right. That So the change in this franchise uh, from somebody who was there in 1968 and had to buy our own gum, you hear me? Mm. Buy our own gum to 2023. Uh, yes, it, it, it's been... Uh, Quite a change. Uh, and I have to credit Katie, Troy, the Blackburns, the granddaughters, uh, 
just as my kids, my grandkids, when they show up, I they call me Bob-Bob. That, that's the nickname my first grandson gave me, and it's stuck. I'm Bob-Bob. And uh, when I have a problem with, with my phone or my computer, uh, my grandkids fix it, fix it in an instant. So uh, I, I think that Mike's grandkids are making him feel the same way I do at times. Stupid. What? I didn't know that. What? We should do that. What? I mean, uh, yeah, it's changed, and it's all for the better to this point. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Bob, uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for being so generous. My pleasure. Time. Anytime, Tommy. It is. I love to have you back when the season starts and gets going because I know you watch the games and you're still so on sure. it and with it and knowing what's going on in football. So if you have the time, we'd love to have you back again. Yeah, now that, now that I know how to get everything hooked up. You're, you're all set. You're all set. You surprised me today, Trump. I got to be honest with you. No, 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 no. One of your grandkids must be sitting in the other room. They're the ones that got the best out, I think. All right. All right. Trump, good to see you, man. Thanks, pal. All right, buddy. Bob Trump. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hopefully he is in the uh, Bengals ring of honor when all is said and done. How about that career for that guy? See, you guys are too young to remember this guy. I didn't even know about him until the Ring of Honor came out this year. And then I was looking at the stats for all the old guys. And, <laughs> and then he was your number amazing. one vote. And I, <laughs> I tell you, I wish, I wish we'd had even more time because, uh, and I know we went a long time, went nearly an hour, uh, because um, his stories, that, that was just one of I don't know how many stories that Trumpy had when he went head-to-head with Paul Brown. Those are two very stubborn, headstrong men. And neither was going to ever back down. And the same thing with Mike Brown. Trumpy was incredibly critical of the organization, rightfully so, uh, during different periods of time uh, when the team wasn't any good and the way they were doing business and the way they were running the team. And you just heard it. Everybody agrees and everybody around here knows it. Katie, as sharp as they come. Troy, her husband, sharp as they come. Now their kids, more prominent roles in the franchise. And credit to Mike, the ability to start letting them do what they think is the best thing to do and now reaping the uh, fruits of the labor. Uh, quick timeout, Ham and Eggers. Tracy Jones is coming up next. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Mr. President, the stage belongs to you. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Tracy Jones is in here right now. We just, I think Tracy, Tracy, how you, d- I don't, I don't want to bring Tracy. I, I feel, it feels yeah, weird for me. Intro. Let's just intro. Tracy Jones, how you doing today? How's everybody I'm going? Doing, I'm doing great. I like that little segment. What happened to it? What segment? Well, d- didn't you do the ham and egg segment with uh, Donald Trump? Well, yeah, but we always do the ads and everything. But with that, this was our second ham and eggers today. You're already sitting in here. We didn't want to be impolite. We figured we'd bring you in and say hi. No, that's not. I was enjoying the show. I was enjoying Bob Trumpy. He was he's great on sports talk. He was the best. He really was. He he, he was said just, that yeah. I was the second best interview, not to bring it on to me because I have a tendency to do that. He said it was the second best interview he's ever had. The first Pete Rose, second Tracy Jones. Just thought really? I'd throw that. Oh, Tom doesn't know that information. I thought you'd enjoy that. What do you think Tom's going to say when you come back and you lay that one on him, Tracy? 
I don't know. But hey, listen, if we can do before Tom comes back, I'd yeah. really like you guys to do me a favor. I really don't want to talk about my 37 hits in my first 100 at bats that set the record for Cincinnati Reds players, 100 at bats. I don't want to talk about that anymore. All right. I know you guys like to bring it up. Casey no, I, does. I was never going to bring that up. In fact, I had that uh, at the very bottom of my list, the fact that you had 37. Well, was it, Tracy, 37 hits and how many at-bats? 37 hits and 100 at-bats. And we're actually, I actually have someone digging in. They actually think it could be the first 200 at-bats. Hey, on a serious note, I'm going to throw this at you. You know, we have a real good chance of going to the World Series. I think this is a special team. And I can say we because once a red, always a red, right? It, they just need one pitcher. They need a, a start. Well, actually, they need two pitchers. They need a relief pitcher, and they need a starting pitcher. And I have the starting pitcher for you. I want to wait for Tom because this is breaking news. You Okay. All right. So, Tracy, before Tom gets back, I want to ask you a question. When you say World Series, how how seriously do you believe that this team, as constructed as they are right now, adding in your pitcher that you're going to give to Tom, what makes you say that right now? Because you said on Tuesday you feel like this team could win this division going away. I do. And you see what's happening. They're actually you know, winning this division going away. I just think something really special is happening. I, I, I just watch them play, and you expect them to win. You know something's going to happen, right? It's like the ball game yesterday. They were behind. They come back. They battle. They get big hits. Uh, I, I just I just like what they're all about. I think David Bell, nobody's talked about David Bell. What a great job he's done. I know people have criticized him in the past, but that, that team was constructed to be a scrappy team. I said this the last time I was on. I called them, uh, what I call them, dirt bags. And dirtbags is a compliment for baseball players. A, a dirtbag is someone like a Ryan Friel, a Pete Rose, a Tracy Jones, a Chris Sabo, uh, myself. Those guys that will get their uniform dirty, go out there and battle. And that's what you have 25-man roster of a bunch of dirtbags. And I mean that as a compliment. They are a lot of fun to watch. They play extremely hard. They run the bases. They hit the cutoff, man. They make the plays. I just think they're on a roll. I really do. But they will lose a game sometime the rest of the year. I guarantee you that. Tracy, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? How are you doing? I'm doing great. And here's the you deal. You look good. I mean, you got a little life about you today, although you obviously lost your razor. But you, you have a little life about you today. Here's the deal. Let's forget about looks. One of these days, I'm actually going to dress up with a shirt and tie. Blow your no, mind. No, hat. no, no. We don't want that. We don't want that. Okay. Listen, and I was telling the ham and eggers this when you were off. Where do you go? Where do you go, Tom? I go to the bathroom. I mean, you know, when you get to be my age, I don't know if this happens to you. When you got to go and all of a sudden, you know, you don't even see it coming. You know, it's like a train. I mean, you just got to sprint out of the room. Yeah. Maybe that you, you happened to, to you yet. It happens to me. I mean, we're roughly the no. same age. It happens to me. No, I, I, I'm good to go. I'm a Major League Baseball player. I only go once a day. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And I brought some notes here. Okay. I really think this team, if it adds a starting pitcher and a reliever, they could get to the World Series. I don't know if you guys saw the playoffs. If the playoffs were to happen today, did you see this? The Reds would be playing the Dodgers. 
The Reds would be playing the Dodgers. The winner of that series plays the Diamondbacks. Okay. The other one is Miami against the Giants. The winner of that plays the Braves. So right. there's a real chance. This is a precursor this weekend series of the Reds playing against the Braves. I think they're really good. And I, and I want to tell you the picture that I think the Reds should add. You, sh you said the Shane Berber last time, right? Shane Bieber, yep. Shane Bieber. Yep. Good picture. Yep. But the cost is extreme. And I know people, this is really going to stir the chat room because it's kind of controversial. And I brought some notes. Let me give you some notes because I worked hard. I bring notes. Not like Amanda Brenneman's uh, husband. I actually prepare for the show. Okay, here we go. You ready for this? Ready yep. for these numbers? Yep. These are serious numbers. June 3rd, this guy pitches eight innings, three hits, one run. Good outing, right? Yep. Next outing, June 9th, seven innings, five hits, two runs. Next outing, June 14th, nine innings, three hits, one run. Do you, does anybody want to guess who this pitcher is? I have a feeling I know who you're talking about. And I Go have ahead. a you're feeling he this. is not pitching on this continent. Am I right about that? You got it. You got it. And I tell you, let's think outside the box. You're smiling. Do you like that idea? I'm sure you could buy out that contract with the Japanese, don't you think? And, and get we're talking, Trevor for Bauer those of you that don't know, we're talking about Trevor Bauer. Right. And he's a pretty darn good pitcher. He was never charged with a crime, right? I think he got railroaded, in my opinion. Uh, he's He had a rough start in Japan and was sent down to the minors. But, Tom, he's dealing. Think about how cheap that would come to get a guy like Trevor Bauer. Well, here's the thing, it. Tracy. Here's the thing. And, and, look, I know you never bought into this noise because you know who Votto is. Those of us who know Votto, nobody bought into this noise that he was going to. I can't even believe anybody would ask, would even bring this up. But, I mean, look, people, you know, it's their job to bring stuff up. That's fine. That he would disrupt the team chemistry. Now, I think they were legitimate questions about, you know, was he going to take at bats from guys who were playing really well? Would he take, uh, you know, a position of Steer, who's played so well, arguably their best right. player so far this year from the beginning of the season until now. But he was never going to disrupt the team chemistry. I mm -hmm. really do think it's a an extremely viable question to ask whether Bauer – because, look, if he is signed, Tracy, can you imagine what a press conference would look like if Trevor Bauer would, was signed tonight and the press conference is mm -hmm. uh, Monday when the team goes on the road and they're in Baltimore, D.C. press, New York press, national press, uh, every major television outlet. Uh, in, in the world is going to be there for something like that because of Bauer and his story. Uh, and that is going to go with the team, as you well know, because you were around for the Pete Rose thing, right? Yeah. It's yeah, going to yeah. travel with the team every city you go to. So if it's the first game of a series in Baltimore, here, here they all come out of the woodwork, right? Three days later, first, series, uh, first game of a series in Pittsburgh. Here they come again. Now L.A., here they come again. It just doesn't stop. I wonder would his signing cause a disruption in that clubhouse? It could. You know, you're rolling the dice there. And what I've heard about Trevor Bauer 
is one in the clubhouse, and I'm not going to BS about this, not a very good guy. I've right. heard that. And I, I'm, you've heard that too, right? Yep. But as far as a big game pitcher and you want a guy out on the mound, he's about as good as you get. Can you imagine the Reds signing? Can you imagine the interest in the Cincinnati Reds, right, America's team, if you go out and give Trevor Bauer? And I think everyone deserves a second chance, don't you think, Tom? Don't I you do. think you're about I do. time I, to be given? I got to be honest with you. I think, and I don't know if there's anything to it. You mentioned the last time uh, it never got to trial. Okay, no. the guy was never, um, was never uh, 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 um, proven guilty of anything. And I'm not suggesting for a second that he's not guilty of everything. I don't know. But as we define justice in this country, he was never prosecuted and found no. guilty of all the things talked. I think that there would be some teams, I don't know if the Reds are one of them, that would consider Trevor Bauer up until last week where now four other women, and who knows what their story is. I have no idea, right? I'm sure that, you know, it, there's the old your side, my side, and the truth and all right. this. I think if that's not a story that all of a sudden now surfaces in the last week, week and a half, I think there are teams that might be sitting around having that discussion. I don't know about now. What do you think? Well, I mean, you bring up great points, and, and I know those points. You're definitely rolling, rolling the dice. But can you imagine Trevor Bauer being signed, and he gets things going, and he's pitching like those numbers? Yep. Can you imagine it? And then you end up in the World Series. I mean, people will forget about stuff if you're winning. Now, if you start losing, and that, that could be an issue. But I think it's worth looking at. And I'm not just – I throw a lot of things out just – because I like to throw things out, a little controversy. But I think this is a legitimate point, Tom. Don't you agree? I, you know what? I, I really, really do. I, I think that, that there is a um, – look, the sexual al assault allegation stuff is serious business, man. And it is. And anybody ever had a daughter, I mean, it's – It is. Serious business. Um, and look, because – of certain laws out there. And this is where the NFL is, is, I mean, it, they're like on a whole different level. Right. I don't know what baseball, um, what their quote unquote firepower for lack of a better term. But here's a point I'm getting to. Yeah. If there was an NFL team that was thinking about signing Trevor Bauer, there is, there's an assembly line of investigators that the NFL has access to, where, where, where when they want to get to the bottom of something and find out everything they can about everything, whether it's a situation, whether it's a person, whatever it might be, their investigative powers are second to none. I would argue because of, of law limitations, better in many ways than the FBI. Um, I, I wonder if the Reds would even consider assembling a group like that to dive deeper into this whole thing about Bauer. You know who used to dive into players before he made a trade, and you make a, a really good point once again, is Jim Bowden. Remember, he used to have like a 50-page dossier, <laughs> and he would get a rundown of that player and dig into his personal life, right? So you really knew what you were getting. I'm not saying Trevor Bauer's a, a good guy. I'm not. He's, he's doing some kinky stuff, I'm sure, whatever he's doing. But I just, I would like to see a guy 
I just would like to see it. I think the energy, I think he's a really good pitcher. And as far as the NFL, you think Trevor Bauer, his behavior worse, or Deshaun Watson? There's Which no one? doubt about that one. Which one you like? <laughs> well, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. One's playing and the other one's not. And uh, and the one um, had to pay off every single one of them. Right. Every one. They and, didn't and, go to court, but he had to yeah. pay off every single one of them. Um, here, here's another guy I want to ask you about. Came up in the chat. We talked about it before. I don't think it would cost you much to get him, and I would do it yesterday as bring back Chapman. He's already said he doesn't have to be the closer. <laughs> Um, I never found Chapman in any form or fashion to be any, and I was around announcing the games when he was here, first came up all the way through his entire time here. Chapman doesn't bother anybody. He's kind of no. like in his own world, you know? I mean, and, and, and look, I think you would agree with me on this. There is a, and I hate to throw, you know, I say this a lot, a blanket over a group of people, but there is something extraordinarily unique about the Cuban players compared to any of the other Latin American country players. The Cuban yes. players were raised in an entirely different world and environment. They are all by and large, not every one of them, but they keep things very close to the best. They really keep to themselves a lot. It's not to say they can't mix in with their teammates. Chapman did his own thing, man. And and he, he never did. bothered anybody. And all he, he wanted did. was the ball, and he was the best closer. It may not be statistically, but he was the best closer the Reds have ever had. I would bring him back in a heartbeat to help this team. I like that. Win. I, I kind of feel like Chapman, I, I don't know him personally. I just feel like we have a couple things in common. One, he likes fast cars. Remember when he had that Ferrari, and he likes strippers. So those two things we have in common – we talked about getting a starting pitcher. They also need a relief pitcher. Yeah. I mean, Diaz is just going to get burned out. They, they yeah. need to add to that bullpen. But I'm dead serious. If they get those two, a starting pitcher, a good one now, and a reliever like Chapman, I think they're ready to rock and roll. I think they're playing the Braves for the championship. I really, really do. Well, I mean, you bring up a point that you and I discussed a little bit, uh, short albeit, is that I, if you found a way to get another pitcher, and I yeah. mean a good pitcher. I don't mean good some, one. you know, middle no. of the road. I, and I'll tell you the one guy that's kind of pinked my interest a little bit. Um, I always thought the Reds misused the guy. Uh, but he is really pitching well in Detroit is Michael Lorenzen. Um, another guy, right? Original yes. Red. Great yeah. dude in a clubhouse. Great I mean, guy. great He's dude. He's the best. Uh, yeah, like he really is. He's one of my all-time favorite Reds as a guy. Um, I thought they grossly misused him when he was here. Mm -hmm. He should have been a starter from day one and left him alone for his career. But they had him in a bullpen, and then they put him in a rotation in a bullpen. You know, and, and look, uh, we can debate that from now till the end of time. But e even if it's not Bauer, if you add Lorenzen and Abbott and Hunter Green, Okay, I'm not going to count Lodolo. He, to me, he's off the reservation. Maybe he comes back, and if he does, good for him. Yeah. But if you've got those three going to the post, I don't look at the Reds being an underdog in, in, in a best of five or best of seven against anybody. I don't. Well, 
I don't either. And what I like about the Reds, it's going to come down. It's not going to be a 10 to 9 game. It's right. going to be one of the, I hope the weather gets really cold so we can use that stolen bases, you know, going first to third, stealing second, stealing third, because a lot of those guys can run. I, I just feel, you know, I'm actually going to my first game in 15 years, <laughs> Sunday. Uh, I was hoping to see Strider pitch, but I think he got bumped because of the rain out. Yeah. So I'm actually going. Now, I went to a lot of games and sat in the booth with uh, with Marty and kind of helped him with the broadcast, make sure he had inflection in his voice, enthusiasm, uh, quick criticizing Adam Dunn, that kind of stuff. I would kind of point him in the direction. But I'm actually going to sit in the stands. My buddy invited me. Of course, we're sitting in the diamond seats. He's got FU money. So I'm excited about that. Um, so it's going to be a new experience because I, it won't be that bad because I'll be sitting with a lot of like minds, I mean, in the diamond seats. And if you ever notice this, on Sundays, the FQI, the fan quality index, is a lot higher, right? Because we don't, we, like tonight, like Friday, a lot, of, a lot of ham and eggers, the FQI is down, you have the fireworks. Or like when you have a bobblehead, the FQI is down. So I'm very excited to go to the game. But here's the problem. You guys ready for this? Sitting in the diamond seats, he asked me if it was all right if he could bring his granddaughter. Do you know how old his granddaughter is? Seven. Three. Three. Really? Who brings a kid that's three years old to a Major League Baseball game? And, and just world, What in the world is wrong with that? Oh, Tom, come on. She's going to go to that buffet. She's going to be You don't have to worry about it. That's his problem. That's not your problem. He's going to be one. I love, first of all, I, I don't even kids. call it a problem. I mean, I'm sure he's thrilled to death thinking about bringing his granddaughter to a game. Three years old. People will agree with me. That's way too young. I mean, what is she going to go to that buffet in the diamond and put her hands, you know, greasy hands in the potato salad, right? I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, wait at least till she's seven. My first game was when I was six years old, maybe five years old, 1966, 67, when I saw Koufax pitch a one-hitter. That's what He actually had a no-hitter going into the eighth. So that was my first game. Even my dad, who knew I was going to be a Major League Baseball player, waited till I was five years old to take me to a Big League Baseball game. Three years old, I don't care what you say, and I love kids, but three years old, way too young. Okay. All right. Well, you're going to be sitting down there, though, in the Diamond Club seat. So, you know, these are first-world problems you're talking about here. I mean, let's be honest about it, right? Um, I, I got to tell you, uh, and I've been meaning to bring this up with you as the College World Series has moved on in the mm. NCAA tournament. It's a lot like football, Tracy. I mean, whether we're talking about football, whether we're talking about baseball, there is a common theme. You know what that common theme is? SEC? There's nobody from California there. I know. There's nobody from California. All I hear about is all these great athletes, all these elite athletes, all of this and that and everything. I'm looking at schools from Texas. I'm looking at schools from Florida. I'm looking at schools from Tennessee. I'm looking at schools from Louisiana. I'm looking at schools in football from Ohio, from Alabama, from Michigan, from Georgia. I'm looking at all these, TCU, again, Texas. I mean, you get west of the Texas border, 
and it's like sports don't even exist anymore. What in the hell is going on out in California? Well, I can go back to the days when you had the Lakers and you had the Rams. You had That's the Dodgers. pro sports. You, you, I'm talking about college sports. But even college, UCLA and USC. I mean, I used oh, yeah. to call well, that, 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 yeah, Most of the guys, the Ham and Eggers, weren't even born when those teams were any good. We were referred to as title town, just to give you something. That's what we referred to in Los Angeles. You know, Tom, that's you, we're not getting the athletes because we have other things to do in California. I mean, you got to go to the beach, right? You might want to go to they the They have beaches might, in Florida. They, but okay, let's go to the mountains then. Let's take a 40-minute. They have beaches in Texas. But you don't have it all, Tom. Let's go to the Whiskey A Go-Go and watch a, a band. Let's go, let's go to the Wild Goose or the Jet Strip, right? I mean, they do have solid gold and cheetahs there in Houston and Atlanta. But they're just, <laughs> my point is, there's a lot of other stuff to do in California, and sports is way, way down. You know what is crazy on a serious note? I'm watching UC get basketball players and football players, and I'm thinking, how can UCLA and USC not get players? I mean, would you rather be... At, you know, playing in what Westwood, or would you rather be, you know, where Cincinnati's located? I mean, it's well, just I gotta quite be honest. I mean, look, I gotta be honest with you, and you know this uh, because I've done a number of games at the LA Coliseum. Um, that big square that is the University of Southern California is as beautiful a big square, right, as you can find in the country. It's great. Right. But but you also know that when you cross the street outside of that big square, you're walking into South Central L.A. Um, but, you know, look, their football tradition really in many ways is unmatched uh, by anybody or as good as anybody's history in America. But now UCLA is a whole different ballgame. I look at right. UCLA and I say to myself, how in the world are they not great at everything? Because if there's a place know. you'd like to hang out a little bit, it would be Westwood, California. I, I think Mick Cronin's doing a pretty nice job yeah, at UCLA, though, job. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But it took someone from Cincinnati to do it. I mean, I'm just amazed at how in Cincinnati they've got better college programs. And I don't even throw in Xavier. I mean, it's something to be very proud of, you know, the, the, the sports we have in the area. But in Southern California, it's just like, even the good players like from St. John Bosco and uh, where Carson Palmer went, the quarterbacks leave. You can't even keep the guys in state. And I think it's sad. Well, uh, Lincoln Riley will get that straightened out. Although then they're going to join the Big Ten and have to play Ohio State and Michigan and some of these teams. And we'll see how it goes once that happens. But uh, anyway, uh, of course, McCrona wasn't good enough for us here. You know, wasn't good enough. No. Everybody in town wanted to run him out of town. You know, I, mean, I, I wish I could find all the guys now that are excited, that, 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 that would raise their hand and admit they wanted Cronin out uh, compared to the, the, the same guys who did raise their hand and say they wanted Cronin out five years ago. That guy should still be here. He wanted uh, to be I here. like Mick Cronin. I, I mean, Love what Mick a coach. Cronin. He's a huge baseball fan. You know, his dad was a scout for the Braves. Yep. A big yep. time scout. Yep. So, yeah, Mick Cronin, I'm sure. But look, at where would you rather live? You know, in Cincinnati and Norwood, East Price Hill, Terrace Park, or would you rather be at UCLA living in Pacific Palisades, PV, Newport Beach, Malibu, Hawthorne? Those are some prime 
real estate right there. Maybe not that last one. Yeah, nobody wants to spend any time in uh, in, in Malibu. I agree. No. Um, no. All right. Uh, Tracer, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Reds game down there. I'm, uh, I- I'm impressed you're actually going to a game. If that three-year-old starts crying, I'm going to pick her up and just give her a couple slaps right on the behind and put her down. Tell her because she, her dad's one of those um, libertards that will say, you know, time out, go sit in the corner. She's one of, he's one of those timeouts people. I'm not one of those. Behave, three-year-old. Ridiculous. Well, maybe, maybe your granddad will bring along a participation trophy just for going to the game. <laughs> have a good weekend boys all right buddy you do this tracy jones kind enough to join us how about that has he ever invited you to sit down in the diamond seats with him before no, no. i've never Paul? sat i've never sat in the diamond seats it was my mission this summer to try and finagle my way into some diamond seats and i was close one day but no never sat down there have either one of you sat in the diamond seats yeah, I did it a long time, a long, really? long time ago. Yeah, I got Adam Dunn's autograph. I was, I was right on the front row there, and he came over. He signed my ball, and I will be going back sometime in August. Uh, my buddy Zach got me tickets for my birthday, so I will be back in the diamond seats. How Jacob, you strike me as somebody that has been in the diamond seats no less than five to ten times. Yeah, and this is three. what. I- Three times. Yeah, three, three times. Yeah, I mean, he's okay. big like three times. Well, he went to St. X. They just exude wealth Liberally. over there. Yeah, it's- no question. They give, them out for, they give them out at the end of the, each year. They give each kid a diamond seat for at the Reds game. The Reds yeah. keep winning like this. I might be going to diamond seats more often. Thanks to Betfred Sportsbook. Ooh. Hmm. Mm. Diamond seats would be big league sit down there. That would be big league. I have to admit. But uh, we have our big outing July the 17th. July 17th. And that's in the uh, – used to be the old Cincinnati Bell uh, area out there in center field, right? Yeah, the, the riverboat deck out riverboat there. Riverboat deck. Yep. And how many people – what are we doing for that? Are we giving away tickets? What are we doing? I, there's going to be a incentive based on the merch, I Right. Believe. If you buy a certain amount of merchandise, You'll it get comes a free out ticket. soon. Yeah, July 1st. Okay. The, Once it comes out, then uh, if you spend X amount of dollars to, to be determined, uh, then you get a ticket to come with us at night, right? Yep. How's the merch look? Have you seen any of it? Uh, no previews on the merch. Say that. No previous. Are we going to, is the game plan we here on Off the Bench, can I just throw all these shirts and leave them in the closet and leave the hangers in the closet? <laughs> well, the hangers got to stay. That's part of the wearing Chatterbox merch. Is hangers, that the way it's going to work? The hangers have to stay. That's part of the brand. Okay. <laughs> the hangers got to stay on the door. Apparently, like that jacket over there. Yeah, that's part um, of it. The- so is that, is that what we're, we're planning on doing? Are we going full time to our merch so people can see it and want to buy it? Uh, I would assume so. I, I would assume we're all going to be wearing it right away. Okay. All right. Well, I hope so. I think we ought to – I'm wondering if we ought to kind of make it a mandatory uniform for this show. I think so. I mean, you don't have to wear a certain color every day. Um, Sir Boy Wonder asked me, am I going that night? I'm going. Will you be eating a Sky Rosa with Sir Boy? Do you know, uh, do you know what, I will do not you... have a Sky Rosa. I will have a piece of, um, uh, of La Rosa's pizza. I will be happy, as always, to have. I might be taking my son and daughter since Polly, my wife's going out, uh, going out for dinner tonight with some of her friends. So that's the perfect night for our two kids and me to sneak off the skyline, not eat a healthy dinner at home. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yes, but, but, you know, I swore um, that I would never set foot in that ballpark again as long as I live. But because it's Chatterbox and they've given me a chance to come back and do this show and work again for the company's sake, uh, I am looking forward to seeing all of you down there on July the 17th. It will be my first and last appearance in that ballpark. I can assure you of that. But I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun. Casey, you going to go? Of course. You guys are going, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Reed will be going, right? Everybody here will be there. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Sean will be there, and Trace will be there, and the whole nine yards. All right. It's going to be perfect. Um, anything? Do we have a cherry on top? Oh, we very much do. Now, before you run the intro, um, I got this as a DM from our guy Darren on Twitter yesterday. Every okay. once in a while, Darren will reach out to me with a Photoshop. Okay. And so he reached out. Oh God. He reached out to me yesterday. What is this? And well, so we've been talking about you know what's going to happen if the Reds keep winning. And we talked about shaving heads and everything. You said you didn't <laughs> want to drink a white claw. So run the, run the tape, Casey. How about we get you in this look if the Reds win 15? Will you wear <laughs> the Viking helmet if the Reds win 15? Yes. There okay. we go. Well, it's not just the Viking helmet. There's, There's also a cape. A cape. As well, well a cape we'd have to figure out so the cape. We have to buy a cape. We'd we have, have to figure out it. the cape. But can we'll we get, get the, the Viking helmet if the Reds win 15? Can we start the show on what would that be? Thursday? That would be, uh, no, no Thursday. Tuesday. It would be Tuesday. Tuesday. Do they play Monday? Yeah, they play Monday. Or is that an off day? So they would play. They play Baltimore Monday in Baltimore. In right? Baltimore, yeah. Okay. So, that, so you'd have to win. 12, 13, 14 would be this weekend. Tuesday morning. 15 would be Monday. Yep. So Tuesday morning, we would have to don the um, Viking helmet. Absolutely. No problem. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because it ain't going to happen. And as far as uh, <laughs> I, I see Everett talking, you don't, you don't have to buy. The, I mean, we would love you to buy the merch, but just to make sure people know, you don't have to buy the merch oh, okay. to All go right. to the okay. game. Okay. Okay. You right. just, I'm glad you, I'm glad just, you brought it, that up. Be, well, because Trace obviously had to, to front the money to rent the rent the suite or rent the deck or whatever it is, uh, however you want to call it. So you may have to buy a ticket. We, I don't know how he's going to do it yet. I haven't talked to him about that. Um, but if you if you buy a certain amount of merch will cover your ticket is basically how that'll work. But it's not like if you don't buy $200 worth of merch, you're not going to get – that's that's not what we're trying to say. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for uh, pointing that out. And you said Drew was the one responsible for that nonsense? Uh, oh, the, the Photoshop? Yeah. No, that was uh, our guy Darren on Twitter. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Because Drew Garrison says he's the one that started the, fo the Tom Photoshop trend. Uh, Drew has done a lot. Yeah, Drew has done a lot. Darren Darren Minton on Twitter. He he's a pretty good Twitter follow for some uh, big league content. Okay. On photoshops. Okay. Although I don't know how much of that he actually tweets out and how much he just DMs to me, which I enjoy. All right. <laughs> uh, so tomorrow, uh, working on a few things. We're hoping to have Tommy G on. We'll reach out to him. We do know we're going to have tomorrow, um, uh, Dave O'Brien, longtime beat writer. 
uh, in Major League Baseball a number of years with the Marlins, but the last decade or so with uh, the Athletic covering the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so he'll be on to talk about the Braves, uh, working on a couple of other things tomorrow. Uh, so, gentlemen, no Reds baseball tonight. You guys can actually spend time in, like, doing something else in life. Softball tonight, Tom. You're playing? Softball. Yeah, Thursday night alumni league. Softball. We're undefeated. Got to keep it going. What position do you play? Uh, I rotate between short and first. I wow. like playing first. Okay. I like playing short, but I'm tall enough I play first. Elliot, what are you doing tonight? I will be having dinner with my grandparents. Very nice. So that's just a, it's, it's an easy night in, nice night in. Sky Rosa? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would wreak havoc on our digestive systems. <laughs> no plans for me. I'm, I'm alone at the house tonight. My mom's playing golf, so I'm probably just going to watch a movie or something. Well, Casey, is your mind working like mine? Two public school guys? When I hear that somebody <laughs> has the house on a Thursday night and no one's around, <laughs> I mean, that place it would, would be, be jamming. There would be yeah. chairs coming through glass <laughs> by about 10 feet. That's correct, Tom. See, I mean, I would be getting a couple of my buddies. Well, Public school guys were different together, from the you know? uh, were different from the uh, the, the you know the, the the liberal elites. They have to plan. They have to be very meticulous. They got to make sure that they're wearing the right outfits and whatnot. Right. I mean, we just we just and, buy a keg. Yeah. Stick it right the there. the dagger down yeah. on top of that bad boy. How many more likes for me to just drop my address in the chat right now? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's All get right. after it. The Discord. Right. I mean, uh, we got guys offering to, 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 to buy the kegs, <laughs> you know, the whole nine yards, among other things, which we'll we are. <laughs> All right. After you said that, we jumped up like 10 likes. What are we at? 82. We get to 150 during Not Too Picky. I'll drop the address. All right. Not Too Picky starting right now. We're right? getting picky, Tom. Right, here we go. Here we go. Everybody have a great day, gentlemen. Thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Have a great day.